0: Father God, we thank you so much that you are here and you are with us. God, we thank you that you are our firm foundation, that we can trust in you because you are trustworthy. We're not trusting in someone who will not follow through on his promises, but God, you are faithful. Your word says you are faithful, and tonight we declare that you are trustworthy. And we can trust you, Father. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercies that are available for us daily, Father. Mm, Just open our hearts to hear from you tonight and to be ministered um, by your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. What a great youth band. Legit though. Hooray! How awesome is that that we have, first of all, leaders that are willing to steward the gifts that these youth have. Um, it's amazing to see that there are people who are willing to invest in God's children. Um, so thank you to all the leaders who spend hours and time and energy, um, and to the youth who sp- step out confidently. Um, it's a blessing to um, be ministered to um, How was your Sunday? Good? Bad? Great? (laughs) We're not alive yet? (laughs) We're not awake? (laughs) Maybe we wish we were in bed, that's okay. Um, Man, Camellia, great message. Just going to say that real quick. What an amazing reminder that it is not just a routine. Communion is not routine. It is something that is so significant, and we don't need to just look past it. Um, but it is the grace and love and mercy that Jesus gave to us and our heart. Oh, man. Way to go, girl. (laughs) Got a good brain in there. (laughs) Yeah, beautiful heart. Exactly. All right, I'm just going to jump in. If you have your Bibles, can you open them to Mark 6? Um, this, This... Message can be short and sweet. Empty, exchange, embrace. Three words to sum up the entire thing that I'm going to say. Um, The things that Jesus teaches the disciples is empty, exchange, embrace. Um, The the verses I'm going to be looking at is 7 to 12, um, And I'm just going to read those. But I actually have them in the amplified version. On the screen is the ESV version. So you can compare that there's something different. He told them to take nothing for the journey except a mere walking stick. No bread, no traveler's bag, no money in their belt, but to wear sandals. And he told them not to wear two tunics. And he told them, wherever you go into a house, stay there until you leave that town, any place that does not welcome you or listen to you. When you leave there, shake the dust off the soles of your feet as a testimony against them. Empty. These disciples are traveling quite light. Um, And and when you read this scripture, it kind of seems kind of odd. Why is Jesus telling them to only bring a walking walking stick, shoes on their feet, and the clothes on their back? I don't know about you, but when I pack for a trip, I pack twelve shirts for a four day vacation. Like, (laughs) if I'm going for three months, I could look like I'm going for a year. Like, if Jesus gave me a packing list, I would say no, thank you, Um, (laughs) because that like. That's not enough for the journey that God's sending them on. He says, go there as long as you have to and keep going. So they're expected to be traveling for a while. And he says, only the shirt off your back, the shoes on your feet, and a walking stick. So why? (laughs) What about those three things are so significant? Where are they going? Where are they coming from? Um, everything that is in scripture is God-breathed. And if you were here this morning, Ash talked about digging your wells. One of the ways to dig your wells is when you're reading scripture and you come across a passage and you're like, this makes no sense. You dig. You, say, you ask God why. You look backwards. You look forwards. You search around to find the context, find what God is trying to say to you in there. Um, so let's... Let's dig. Let's find out. Let's search, find the living water that is in this passage that God is going to speak to us on. Um, So to do that, we're going to go backwards a little bit. We're going to look at the first six verses, not to get you confused at all. Um, So, Mark 6, 1 to 6. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brothers of James, and Joseph, and Judah, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except for in his hometown, and among his relatives and his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and he went out among the villages teaching. So what's going on? Jesus comes home to catch up with some friends and family. He's been away for a little bit. And and when you go into their shoes, this this story doesn't go exactly the way Jesus and the disciples Thought it was going to go. You can imagine you've been journeying for Jesus for three years. You've seen him raise people from the dead. He's healed some paralytic man. He's done amazing, cool things. He turned water into wine. His ministry's already started. And, and up until this point, Jesus is the man in the disciples' eyes. They're walking with him. They're, he's doing all these cool things. He's teaching them all these great stuff. And all of a sudden, they come to Nazareth, his hometown, where you think, yeah, hometown, that's our, that's our boy, that's our Jesus. He, he grew up here. They should have some sense of pride in who Jesus is now. And they go, what? <laughs> Isn't that the carpenters? Isn't that a carpenter? That's that's Mary's boy. He's not significant. And and up until this point, the disciples hadn't really experienced rejection from their own kind of circle of people. They walked in with the expectation that it's gonna be a prodigal son moment, and they kinda of come out with like a what? <laughs> <laughs> There's no giant, hurrah, welcome home, Jesus party. There's just a, oh, really? Um, when this story is told in Luke, or told in John, sorry, um, one of the, Nicodemus says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from, oh, Nathaniel, I lied. Nathaniel said, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? This statement is actually so incredibly powerful because it shows what their heart was at. The people of Nazareth didn't think that anyone that came from Nazareth could ever be somebody. So if Jesus is over here and he's like, I'm doing all these great things and I came from Nazareth, they're not going to, that, that doesn't make sense to them. Of course, it would be hard to believe that somebody in their Nazareth would achieve something if their own self-doubt and insecurities was the lens that they was looking through. Their lens of insecurity missed, caused them to miss the miracles that Jesus wanted to perform. They missed all that God had in store for them. You see, he was marveled at their unbelief. He could only heal a few t- sick people. And yeah, that's still amazing, but that's not the Jesus I know. The Jesus I know is just like this, that I'm healing you, I'm freeing you, I'm setting you free. Let's do these awesome stuff. And he's sitting there, go, wow. If Jesus said wow to me, I'd hope it'd be something good, not because of something that, un, like, you know, the Nazareth mindset caused them to miss jesus they couldn't believe jesus could be successful and be one of them if that's the way they looked at themselves they couldn't look at jesus any differently so they're looking at him they're like isn't that the carpenter the the son of mary this brother of james what about his father They couldn't even. They couldn't actually tell you who his father was, because surprise, his father is the King of Kings, which is why they didn't have that normal bond that you have with people that come from your hometown, because he actually wasn't from that hometown. He was from heaven. Um, They 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 looked at him and knew him as his carpenter, as as somebody who was a carpenter, but that wasn't his purpose. Why was he known for being a carpenter when his purpose was to redeem us, to set us free, to fix the relationship between us and God? And and it's not even like a carpenter is like a good job. It's pretty average, like it's nothing special. So they're calling the king of kings average. <laughs> they're calling the king of kings uh, yeah, yeah, not really anybody, just kind of Somebody. <laughs> Jesus' purpose was never to be a carpenter, but he worked with honesty and integrity, and that's how people knew him. They knew his reputation because he was somebody who worked hard. And maybe we're stuck in our average spots because God wants you, wants you to be known there, to be known where you're average, so that when you step out and do something amazing— People know who you are. Know where you came from. So, they're, they're a little, they're, they're missing it. They are missing what Jesus came home to do. So why, where are the disciples now? You know, so they come into Nazareth, they're feeling this little bit of rejection, they're kind of confused why the people don't know who Jesus is. And then all of a sudden you see later in the passage they get sent out. Why was that why was that important? If Jesus knows, God knows everything, why bother taking them home, experiencing rejection, experiencing kind of being downplayed to to go back out into your ministry? Well, empty the expectations you have and exchange them for the new identity that God has for you. When you look verses 1 to 6, they're referred to as disciples, but from 7 to 12, they're apostles. And what, what's the difference? Why is that significant? Well, God releases in us a new identity when he takes us through a journey, when he takes us to a little pit stop to send us back out. Um, God imparted something in them, in that experience, that they needed to step out, that they needed to change in themselves to step out. They had to become disciples who saw rejection with Jesus to step out and be apostles. And a disciple is somebody who is being taught, whereas an apostle, an apostle is somebody who is commissioned to preach the gospel. Um, the, The disciples... They've sat in school for long enough, Jesus has taught them enough, they've learned all they need to know, they've grown, they've seen Jesus, they've walked Jesus, they know what Jesus would do, and three years from when Jesus called them until this point that he sends them out, um, Jesus says, you're apostles, go, you've been commissioned, you know what I would do, you know what my heart is. Um, and this isn't just like a three years of, of, you know, once on a Sunday, maybe a few week hours at a Bible study. Um, this is like a 24-7, these disciples are being immersed in Jesus. Um, and they're abiding in him, they're hanging out with him for three years straight before God sends them out to, um, to preach the gospel, to share his love and I will be the first to admit that sometimes you don't want to spend three years sitting with Jesus just learning. It's hard to, just like the Nazareth people who were kind of bitter and sitting in their insecurities, it's it's easier to just say, mm, I'm a little bitter, God, not today. <laughs> I feel a little isolated, I feel a little lonely. And and, and and you put me in this situation so I'm not going to really spend time with you today. Um, <laughs> I'll do that all the time. I'll look through the eyes of emotion rather than belonging. I'll look at bitterness instead of love. When When... When things in my situation aren't working out and I'm I'm sitting in my Nazareth where, where I'm feeling rejection, where things aren't working out, where I'm with Jesus, but it's like, nobody knows who you are, but also I don't even know why I'm here, what am I doing here? And Jesus is like, no, we just keep keep going. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to sit in Nazareth. I want to go out. Um, but in the Nazareth, just like those people we're looking through the wrong lens. They missed the opportunity, and I missed the opportunity to grow and to learn from my situation. I missed the opportunity to actually just sit with Jesus and watch him do what he needs to do in my Nazareth so that when I step out, I have a fullness, I have a new identity. And that's exactly what he does with the disciples. He takes them, they get rejected sends them out when we miss the opportunity to listen to our teacher we we don't learn how to grow they're off on their own and what if they were off on the, their own and for the first time that's when they experience rejection that's not gonna be so great they're gonna pack up their bags and take their one tunic and sandals on their feet and <laughs> go right back home um Jesus didn't take the disciples to Nazareth Nazareth to be praised. The the, the disciples didn't even belong in Nazareth. It wasn't their hometown. They were there because they belonged to Jesus. And Jesus, as before he sends them out, he pre-warns them that it's not going to be rainbows and cake all day. There's going to be the storm first. There's going to be that weird mix of ingredients before you put them in the bowl, before you bake them. Life is going to be tough, but he's going to take you through it. This is why Jesus has such a short packing list. He knows that the burdens that we carry hinders us from the beauty, the beauty of dependence, the beauty of leaning on him. The clothes on our back and our shoes for that day is enough for the day. Just like the Israelites in the desert, they had enough manna for that day because God wanted them to depend on him. When we let go and give what we're carrying that's unnecessary back to him, it gives us room to hold more of him, to hold on to our walking stick, to lean on him for support. He doesn't send us out with nothing. He sends us out with our walking stick for support in case we get tired. To run the race of endurance, to walk well in our Christian faith, it means exchanging our Nazareth mindset for the peace and joy and love that God has for us. This this message was built around the song, Oh, Come to the Altar. Every time I ever, whether it's for youth or the other Sunday nights I've spoken or even assignments for Vision College, God has always given me a song to go with it. Um, so I really just want us, as the song plays, um, just to spend a couple minutes... And come to the altar and actually ask God what am I carrying that is unnecessary which which things are in my suitcase or in my hands or stuff that I don't even notice that you want me to let go of empty what you have exchange it for the new identity that he has for you and then embrace the love and the newness and the fullness and the place of acceptance and belonging that comes um, when, when we journey with Jesus.